I want to speak a few minutes about the God we serve out of the book of Jonah. He's a God of second chances. Now, I don't know if you're happy about that, but I'm real happy about that. Because I grew up in an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, God-loving home. My mom and dad got saved 33 years old, first-generation Christians. They meant business with God. They weren't perfect, far, far from perfect people. They failed many times in many ways as a Christian. We're sorry for it, repented of it, and got back up. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times and riseth up again. And I watched him do that. And at 18 years old, I said, I want what they have. Before that, I'd made a profession of faith, and I had been raised in the Bible, literally like Timothy from a youth. I've known the Holy Scriptures, literally. Yet, I turned away from that for a number of years, became a rebel against God, against his kingdom, as many of you in this room have also had similar testimony. And God gave me a second chance. And I thank God for it today. He allowed me mercy. The greatest revival in recorded history comes from a man who possibly would be the least likely candidate to ever head up or have God work through the greatest revival in, in human history, as far as we know. It was a revival of Nineveh in the book of Jonah, four short chapters. Nineveh was the capital city of uh, the kingdom of the Assyrians, with the population, this city population estimated about 600,000 people. We know from the book of Jonah there were 120,000 children who could not discern between their right hand and their left. So how old is that? Two years old? One year old? One and a half? A kid doesn't know the difference between the right hand and left hand? My wife still does not know the difference between her right hand and left hand. She has to wear a ring on one finger and look at I say, right, she'll look at that ring. That's right. I don't, I don't yell at her and say, turn right. We'll go this way. Well, that'd be right to you, wouldn't it? <clears throat> okay, be careful about that. It's 120,000 children. They're probably less than one and a half, maybe. Couldn't discern between the right hand and the left hand. And so that meant the population of the city was at least 600,000. Now think about that. It was an ancient city. It was founded by Nimrod, an ancient city, and located on a Mesopotamian river, east bank of the Tigris River specifically. They found it. They found the capital city of Nineveh, the ruins of it. It fell to the Babylonians in 612 B.C. and has never been inhabited again since. It's just a pile of rubble. It was a magnificent, phenomenal city. The book of Nahum, which is a sister book of the book of Jonah, in the minor prophets, 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, uh, is the book where God finally condemns the city and does to the city and the Assyrians what he told Jonah that he may do. Because he told Jonah to go cry against the city. Cry against the city. It wasn't a happy sermon. Oh, go tell them how wonderful the love of God is. No, he didn't say that. He said, go cry against the city. Tell them they're wicked sinners. Jonah didn't like that, and so he took off. Now, if he did what God wanted him to do, he only had about 517, like I calculated, 517.52 miles from where he was 
to the city of Nineveh by air, by the way, which obviously they didn't fly back then, so they had to go a little bit further as they trek through the countryside. But 517 miles by air is all I could estimate. I got that pretty accurate, 0.52. And so he headed the other way. He headed to Tarshish. Tarshish was uh, in Spain. And that was 2,386 miles by air. And by boat, it was much more than that. And that was what he did. He took off the opposite direction when God said, God said, Jonah, I want you to go cry against the city of Nineveh, some 570 miles, and you do that. No, I'm not going to do that. How many in this room don't raise your hand? If God told you to do something, you said, I'm not going to do that. Ooh, there's a lot of Jonahs in this room. A lot of them. I'm not going to do it. Took off the other way. A little, a sweet little outline, by the way. I just give this as a caveat. A little sweet outline of the book of Jonah is in the first chapter, Jonah uh, goes from God. In the second chapter, he goes to God. In the third chapter, he goes for God. And in the fourth chapter, he goes against God. And so that's a sweet chapter. Best outline I've ever seen for the book. The verse, our text verse this morning is Jonah chapter 3. If you got your Bibles, you got your texts, whatever your phones, you got your Bible on your phone, hopefully you're not receiving or giving texts right now, and that you have your ringer off would be really nice of you. Jonah 3.1 says, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. And I say it again, and thank God for second chances. There are some lessons that we want to learn from Jonah's experience that I want to share with you this morning. And first, I have six actual observations, and don't get nervous, it's going to be okay. Six observations of this man, Jonah, that I found as I go through this book of Jonah. First of all, first observation is Jonah had a mission. He had a mission to do, chapter 1, verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, um, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Has that happened to America? Has our wickedness come up before God? You can't, I like to listen to the little word go, by the way. You can't spell God without go. You can't spell good without go. And you can't spell the gospel without go. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Jesus said before that, you're light of the world. That's uh, a verse we mounted and put it up today on our walls. That means we're, as, we as born-again Christians are, are to make ourselves visible to the unsaved. Are you with me? Christianity is not something you want to hide. People say, well, I never talk about politics or religion. Shame on you. You ought to talk about both of them. Name me two areas that affect your life any more than politics and religion. But I can tell you, you better talk about your salvation. I talked to people yesterday, door to door, hadn't even seen a 54-year-old man, hadn't even seemed to give it a thought. I said, don't you realize you're going to die? And he looked at me like I was, I was bringing up something doubtful. <laughs> I'm like, what kind of bubble are you living in? You know, your mom, your grandpa and grandma die on both sides, and then your mom and dad's die on both sides, and 
And then people around you went to high school with died before they ever got out of high school and they went to Vietnam and died or went in a war and died or had died in an automobile accident or died of cancer. People are dying all around us. What's God telling us? He's screaming at you. Be prepared to meet your maker. That's what it tells me. Be prepared to meet the God who made you because your number which you don't know when, your number's coming up. I live a day. Like today, I'm living a day. I'm living one of my numbers. The Bible says, teach us to number our days. The Bible says, so I got it. How, God knows how many number, how many days I'm going to live. And I've already exceeded what I ever thought. And so I am living on a number. I got today's a number. Now, this is my last number or the next to last number. Or my company don't let you know that. Do you say, just be ready at any time to meet your maker. Brother Gary, man, he's got to be living on it. you got to be living on the last couple dozen. Gary's in, well, his health's pitiful. <laughs> pitiful. He makes me look healthy. But he's still riding a motorcycle. God bless his soul. <laughs> Shows you how crazy motorcycle people are. But anyway. What happened to Jonah? He understood God's word. He understood it. The Bible says in Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, bring glad, bring glad tidings and good things. That's a good sermon, three-point outline right there. What is the gospel? It's the gospel of peace. It brings glad tidings and good things. Why would anybody refuse the gospel? I come to you telling you that Lord Jesus Christ, God's son, shed his blood for your sins, took your place on the old rugged cross, and if you'll trust him by simple repentance and faith in him, that all your sins will be washed away and you get a place in heaven. Who in the world would refuse that? Yet people do. God's command is clear. Jonah was with him. He said, oh, he said, Jonah, go. Jonah, go. Go cry against the city. I believe everybody in this room has that same commission. I believe everybody in this room is born again, has the same commission. God did not save you so that you alone could go to heaven. He saved you so you'd be a witness for him so not only you can go to heaven, but other people can go to heaven. I prayed many, many times for many, many years. Lord, God, help me to take a whole bunch of people with me to heaven. I don't want to go alone. I want to go with other people. I want to at least give it a contribution, at least give it a shot. I'm going to tell them Jesus saves. When a guy comes to my house to service my um, uh, alarm system, he's going to hear about Jesus. When they come to service my air conditioner, they're going to hear about Jesus. When they come to do any repair on my house, they're going to hear about Jesus. Brother, it's, it's our... Mission is our call. He had a specific call in his life. Now, in this particular case, it was pretty negative. Go cry against it. Don't make him feel good. Don't make him, it's not health and well. He said, go cry. He said, 40 days, God's going to destroy the city. Well, that's not very, eight-word sermon. He really wasn't long. He was a short preacher. And he preached that little short sermon. You and I have a ministry, and we need to have a ministry to tell people Jesus saves, but we also need to tell them that they're sinners unable to save themselves. And someday they'll stand before Jesus, the one who died for them, having rejected him, 
and have to answer for their own sin. Everyone in this room and the sound of my voice over the internet, wherever this is going, if you don't have Christ as your Savior, you're going to have to answer for your own sin. You do not want to do that. You do not want to do that. Because the wages of sin is death. And the Bible talking the word death there is not just physical death. We all know we die physically. But it's a spiritual separation from God in a place called the lake of fire or hell. We know that. That's his, Jesus firmly taught about that. By the way, you need to come tonight. Don't miss tonight, whatever happens, because i got a sermon tonight. It's a rare type of a sermon that I'm going to preach tonight. You need to be there for it. It'll help you be a better Christian. So Jonah in chapter 1, verse 3, left God. He said, I'm not going to do it. And many of us in this room and part of our life said, God, I, I know what you want me to do, but I just don't want to do it. Maybe God wants you to sing the choir, and you say, I'm just not going to do it. Now, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to get on my little hobby horse here. Some of you have beautiful voices, fabulous voices. How do I know your husband or your wife will tell me, oh, my husband's got a tremendous voice, or else a husband will say, oh, my wife's got a tremendous voice, but she'll never sing in front of people. You're taking the gift that God's given you and putting it under a little basket and hiding it. A city set on a hill can, uh, cannot be hid. Uh, he's given you a talent to play trumpet. You should play trumpet. Amen. I get this gets personal, brother. It gives you it gives you a talent to play guitar. You ought to play it for Jesus. He's got a talent to play the piano. You ought to play it for Jesus. You say, "Well, oh, oh, I may make a mistake or two. Well, I'd have quit preaching years ago if I was worried about that." <laughs> John. Jonah 1.3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I have a statement saying, When you leave God's will, it's always down. Let me say the safest place for you and me on this old planet is to be in the center of God's will. Any other place is down. It's been said when you step out of America, I've traveled a little bit, not too much, but I've traveled a little bit, more than I wanted to, really. And when I go outside the United States, I feel I've tra- I stepped down. Now, no offense to other countries, but I just feel when I leave the United States, it's a step down. I'm talking a step down in security, a step down in econ- economy, a step down in lots of areas, transportation and other areas, and you feel it. You go to some of these places, and you think they're, they're, they're operating what they operated 200 years ago. And when you leave the presence of God, you take a step down. And it'll never prosper you to go outside of the will of God. When you leave church, when you leave praying, when you leave reading the word of God, there is no other place for you to go but down. Trust me on that. There's no other place for you to go just like Jonah how many young men and women have had, do I have to speak to in jail or, or a home for unwed mothers or detention centers or mental institutions that, that, you, that were saved but went away from God and now are all messed up? Complicated sin will complicate your life. It'll spin a web that's not able to be un, undone. Observation number two is when you leave God's will, it's always down. Observation number three, once you start down, it's not easy to stop. You say, well, I've heard people say, I can quit smoking anytime I want to. Well, then go ahead. 
I can quit drinking anytime I want to. Okay, go ahead. Go six months without a drink. Go six months without smoking a cigarette. I can quit cocaine anytime I want to. Go, go six months without any cocaine. I, I, I can quit watching pornography anytime I want to. Uh, uh, okay, go six months without watching any pornography. I've had people in my office that told me they were in their late 30s that they've watched pornography every day of their life since they were 12 years old. That's how addictive it is. When you open that screen and you look at that picture, it is impressing something in your mind that'll never, in this side of heaven, leave you. You'll remember stuff. You'll be sitting here thinking, you'll be sitting here listening to me preach and think of an old picture you saw years ago. The old devil's using what, what's, what you put in there. He uses what you put in. Once you start down, it's not easy to stop. Not easy to stop. Observation number four, if you're saved, God will not leave you alone. Oh, glory to God. This is good stuff here. Jonah 1.4, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Now, I haven't gone in every detail of Jonah. I figure most of you understand Jonah. He fled from God. He got on a ship. A big storm came that God brought in. Eventually, the storm was so bad, the people in the, in the boat said, something's wrong. Somebody's done something real bad. God's going to kill all of us. And which one of you did it? They cast lots. It went on Jonah. Uh, Jonah came up and said, yeah, I'm fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And woo, they still didn't cast him out. But he said, well, if you cast me out of the boat, everything will be good for you. They had already lost everything they owned except for the ship. Every, all the wares that they had on the ship were cast overboard. They tried not to do it. Eventually, they had to cast Jonah overboard. There was already waiting there a, a prepared uh, fish, a prepared whale, a prepared animal. It could have been a whale shark. Don't know what kind it was exactly, but he, he was prepared by God to swallow Jonah. He's following along on the boat, and pretty soon when Jonah's come out like a bass for a lure, boom, he hits Jonah and swallows him. Jonah thinks he's going to never see light of day again. Spends three days long. Oh, when you're in pain, it's time slow. Three, the longest days Jonah ever spent in his life was in the belly of that whale, the belly of that fish. But he cried out from the belly, even from the belly of that fish, he cried out to God and God heard him. You can't go anywhere and get away from God. Man, when are you going to get down? You can't go anywhere and get away from God. If you go to heaven, he's there. If you go to hell, he's there. If no matter where you go, God's there. The night is as a day to God. You can't hide it. I can't hide your your observation, your deeds at night. He knows what you're doing. He knows the very thoughts of your heart. He knows the intentions of your heart. God Almighty cares about you, knows about you, and made you, designed you who you are. You need to get to know him and want to walk with him and talk with him and fellowship with him through the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. So observation four, God will not leave you. He will not leave you. If you're backslidden today, God's after you. He is after you. He had you come to this service and move me to preach this sermon so it would, it would touch you and move you and convict you. In essence, uh, God, as Paul said in Corinthians, God, as though God did beseech you by us, be reconciled to God. 
I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm just a representative. I'm just a mouthpiece. But God is using me to speak to you, to give you warning, and encourage you as a born-again believer to stay where you're supposed to be, get in the center of God's will, don't leave it. If God tells you to play the piano, if God tells you to get in the choir, if God tells you to go door to door, do what God tells you to do. If God tells you to get in the track program here at the gospel, do what God tells you to do. I believe God is intensely practical. Practical. He's practical. He's an engineer. Here's what's crazy. When a Christian backslides, those around him get hurt. Think about that thought. Jonah was backslidden. The rest of that crew, they didn't have anything, as far as we know, against God. And yet God almost took their lives, and he took all the wealth they had. They had all that wealth. They had a whole shipload of, of where that they were responsible for, and they had to throw all that overboard. Those around a backslidden Christian will get hurt. Don't you get too tight with backslidden Christian, or you're going to suffer some of the off-scouring of the judgment that comes upon them. Observation number five. God is a God of second chances. Jonah 2.1, and Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. I like that. Right out of the belly of a fish. I think if he, if he heard Jonah, he can hear you. I think of people in the New Testament that got second chances. John Mark, he went from a hindrance to a helper. Paul the Apostle went from a madman to a minister. Elijah went from fear to faith. Moses went from a murderer to a man of God. Your preacher here at Gospel went from a rebel to a preacher of the Bible. Never would I visualize what God would do and has done and through this old rebel. I had a guy come up to me, somebody came up to me at least a few days ago, a few weeks, maybe a week or so ago, and says, you tell us stories about your wife being a wild woman, and, and I do not exaggerate. <laughs> and he says to me, I can't even believe she was that way. I said, brother. <laughs> Praise God, hallelujah, glory to God. God saved us so much, so completely, so deeply that you think she's a goody two-shoes. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. She was raised in a home where mom and dad drank. The kids could drink. Everybody, as far as I know, everybody smoked in the house. Everybody, your, kid, your brother, sister. Your brother didn't smoke, but your sister smoked, you smoked. Mom and dad smoked. First time I went over to her house on a date, to meet mom and daddy, offered me a cigarette. Now, you know, I'm coming from an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, smokeless, alcoholless home. And the old boy offered me a cigarette. I said, whoa. He offered me a drink of, of wine or beer or whatever he had there. I'm not going to say any more. But I can tell God has really saved Bill Lytell. He's really saved Kathy Moore. Observation number six. The greatest work for Jonah was after his period of rebellion. Finish well. 
You blown it? Get right with God and finish well. I like to watch YouTube the last four or five minutes of a game. I don't like to, I like to, I like football, but I don't like to watch it. But I love to watch the last three or four minutes of a game of one of those miracle endings, you know, where they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then somebody wins the game. Woo! I've got to watch three or four of them this week. I didn't remember what it was. Utah and somebody won and Alabama lost. And someone, that was just phenomenal ending to a game, exciting ending to a game. It's how you end. Don't you let the devil say you're good for nothing. You've betrayed God, walked away from his will, and you're not good for anything. He could say the same thing to old Jonah, couldn't he? You're not any good. Here you are in the belly of a fish. You're going to die in this fish's belly. You're never going to do the will of God. And Jonah, just in simple childlike faith, cried out from the belly of the whales, God, have mercy upon my soul. Forgive me of my backsliding. Forgive me of my wickedness. I'll go if you'll let me. And he got puked up. got puked up on the shore. Somehow I feel like his looks were changed. Probably had no hair, bleached white. I mean white, white, like albino white. And when he walked into Nineveh, every eye was upon that little old boy as that old Jew as he walked in and said, 40 days, God's going to destroy the city of Nineveh. All I can tell you is from the top to the bottom, them old boys got right. Listen to this in chapter 3, verse 5 through 10. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them for the word word came unto them from the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid his robe from him and he covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. That's the king. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and the noble saying, let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. Let them... Let let, uh, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. This is what would save America. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? That's what we need in America. And God saw their works, and they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. You want to be saved from Pelosi? You want to be saved from Schumer? You want to be saved from Biden? Get right with God. Get right with God. The Bible says clearly, undisputably, there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. It also says wicked leaders get, wicked people get wicked leaders. I rest my case. You want righteous leaders? You want people who care about America? You want people who to put America first? You want people with some sanity? You have to have some people that are that way, that are right with God and want to do right. And then God will raise up leaders that represent us. It's true. Our God is a God of second chances. I believe America can have a second chance. 
I believe America is savable. There's some, there's some negative people come to me and say, man, they throw some wet blankets on me. You wouldn't even believe it. They come in and say, oh, America is not savable. I'm not saying we've gone too far. When did God tell you that? Oh, he didn't tell me that, but I just know it. No, you don't. Our God, and brother, if he had saved Nineveh, and I've read about Nineveh, you may not have, but I've read about Nineveh and the stuff they were doing. Woo, doggies, they were bad people. They were really, really, really violent, wicked people. And if he'll save Nineveh, and I think that's why it's in the book. If he'll save Nineveh, he'll save us. If you And you say, how can I save America? Well, you can start with individually doing what God wants you to do. Going where God wants you to go. Being what God wants you to be. That's going to help save. That's your portion, at least one portion of help save America. And then go tell everybody, Jesus saved, Jesus saved. Repent and get right with God. That'll help them. Some people will respond, not many, but some will respond. Reminds me of the fire ant mound. You can take a fire ant mound and you can brush it all flat and the next morning it'll all be back. How'd they do that? Every ant grabbed a piece of sand. Every Christian, do your part. Every Christian, do your witnessing. Every Christian, do what God has placed in your plate and we'll build the mound back. Amen? That's how fire ants do it. And the Bible says, observe the ant. I serve a God who is a God of second chances. Hallelujah to your name. Praise you, Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, do a mighty work this morning. Do those things which we cannot see that are done hidden in the heart. Break the hearts of some of these folks who've turned away and made material things their God or made fun their God or made wickedness their God, and help them to repent of that and turn back unto thee. The only place they can run is back to thee. Help us not to be like Jonah who missed his first call, but indeed repented and asked God for a second chance. Father, maybe some this morning in this room and say, God, I need a second chance. Preacher, I need a second chance. I believe you're sincere with God and real with God. By the way, when you're in the belly of a whale three days, you're, you're, not, you're not alibying anything. What you're saying is real. Oh, come back to Jesus. Father, we pray that you'd maybe touch somebody here without Christ, their personal Savior, never knowing him, that they may today choose him as their Savior. You may explain the gospel to them and help them to respond in such a way that we can share with them the good news. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.